I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health and fitness industry to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. Hi there, and welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer, your host, and for the next 30 minutes, I've got a podcast I really enjoyed recording, actually. My guest is very well decorated. She has a PhD in mouth cancer. She's practiced and qualified in hypnotherapy, in NLP, in craniosacral therapy, as well as qualifying as a dentist. She's also a member of the British Dental Association and the General Dental Council. So she's highly qualified and takes a really novel approach to dentistry. This isn't just your normal conversation with a dentist. Uh, She takes a very holistic viewpoint, which really echoes with my own personal and business philosophies. So we're going to talk about lots of things here. Her approach to dentistry, what a typical session with Catherine looks like or feels like as well. The different approaches she'll take, so she'll use essential oils, for example, and we talk a bit about that. We talk about the links between the gut and between the mouth and how she can actually identify your, your mental, physical and even spiritual health, I'd say, through the mouth. It's really, really interesting. So I hope you're going to enjoy this episode. You can get hold of Dr. Catherine Husselman, her name is, at www.holisticdentistlondon.co.uk, which is her personal page. Alternatively, Carnaby Street Dental in North London is where she practices. I'm booking in. She's already booked out for several weeks in advance. So if you like what you hear on this podcast and you want to get in touch and get a consultation with her, you're going to need to move fast. So sit back, enjoy this episode. As I say, it's one of my favourites to record just because it appealed so much to me in terms of my philosophies. And I hope it does with you. Enjoy. Catherine, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good. Yeah, really well, thanks. Excited to hear what insights you can share with us over the next 30 minutes. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I've never spoken to a holistic dentist before, so I think this is going to be really interesting. It's quite an interesting concept as well. I haven't heard of any other kind of dentists doing things your way, so it'd be great to hear about what it is that you do. We met at a biohacking conference where we didn't actually meet, did we? We stood quite close (laughs) apart, but we never actually got to meet because I had to rush home and see to our new dog. But a biohacking conference or summit, meetup actually really, wasn't it? Organised by Tim Gray. For anyone listening who's not sure what biohacking is, my kind of definition of that differs from yours, Catherine, is kind of intersection of science, technology and nature to improve your physiology. So that's obviously something that we've both got in common. Tell me more about what it is that you do. What's what's special about your approach? Okay. Well, I think what's special about my approach is that not many people who are Western trained doctors and dentists do what I do. Whereas if you look to India, if you look at Ayurveda or traditional Chinese medicine, they all integrate the mouth with the body. It's only in Western medicine that we look at teeth as a separate entity from the rest of the body. So all I'm doing is I'm reintegrating the teeth and the mouth into the body for like a couple of, for me, very obvious reasons. So the mouth is your portal into the body. So how you connect to the world and how the world's coming into you goes through the mouth. Mm. So I love to sing. I love to eat. I love to kiss. You know, it's like the mouth is, I love to smile and laugh. So for me, the mouth is really important. Mm. And if it doesn't function properly or if it smells or if it's in any way, shape or form unhealthy, then I can't enjoy my life. Mm. You know, that's like a very basic approach to me. If I can't eat and sing or kiss, then I'm not very happy. So but those are all very important things for us humans in regards to how we relate to other people and to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's also, it's like the first fortress of the immune system. So if the mouth isn't healthy, it can't fight whatever comes into the body. 
So it's like super important that the mouth is spick and span, super clean and really healthy and really strong so that the body doesn't need to waste energy on keeping the mouth stable, but can just focus on what's important. Mm. So that's sort of part of how I look at the whole system rather than just the tooth. You can't just fix a tooth and think it has no effect on the rest of the body. Yeah, That'd be like chopping a leg off a table and presuming that it would still be straight. You know, yeah. That's not how the body works. Yeah. You know, it is all connected. And it's also energetically very connected. So if you look at traditional Chinese medicine, for example, all the meridians, they all run through teeth. So you have a heart tooth, a kidney tooth, a liver tooth, a lung and large intestine tooth, which also means the teeth are all connected to emotions. Hmm. So to give you a good example, someone who's had a parent die and not grieved often has a very specific tooth that breaks because they haven't grieved. It's the tooth on the lung and large intestine meridian, which is about letting go. That's fascinating. Yeah, so you can do as much dentistry on a tooth like that as you want. If you don't address the grief, the tooth won't settle down. Mm, that's brilliant. I mean, it chimes so well with my own personal thoughts and philosophies around health, that it is holistic and everything is connected. And I think increasingly we are forward-thinking practitioners, coaches, medics, scientists are starting to get that. A couple of guests I've had recently, Dr. Tamsin Lewis, who was on well, I don't know how many weeks it will be when this show goes live, but quite recently in May, and Dr. Christine Roche. Dr. Christine Roche is a gut specialist yes. in the US, and Dr. Tamsin Lewis is a functional medicine practitioner here in the UK. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of those guys, but I had them on the show, and they were talking about exactly the same thing. Everything is connected. Their thoughts are more around that things originate from the gut, typically. Mm-hmm. So treat the gut mm-hmm. and treat the local site. So their approach might dovetail with yours, and that they would look at the gut. You would look at perhaps the, the source of pain, which could be a tooth. But also, the gut and the mouth are the same system. Yes. Your digestion starts in the mouth. Yeah. Tell us more about that. So, like, if you, for example, have candida. Which, by the way, sorry to interrupt, I do. I'm currently going through a candida treatment plan. How lovely. Yes. (laughs) Are you enjoying it? No. I'm not (laughs) hating it. but And I haven't been 100% good. I was just saying the other day, actually, it's a tricky one because you can't see the gut. So if I had a big... No, 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 sorry, I'm interrupting you there straight away. You can see part of the gut in your mouth. Right, okay, well, we're going to so many things. I'll come back to the candida. You carry on with what you were saying. No, we can just stick with that. So, for example, if someone has candida in the gut, people often have a white layer on the tongue. Right, now I'm desperate for a mirror, (laughs) (laughs) which I haven't got to hand, so I'll have to press on. But like in Ayurveda, for example, tongue brushing is part of normal yogic traditions. Right. Just for us, it's a bit weird. In other countries, it's quite normal. But I mean, if you have a fungal overgrowth in your gut, what's stopping it from being in the mouth? Mm. It's the same system. But also, if people have a diet that causes a lot of dampness in the gut, which then also makes it very habitable for the candida, you can see that in the mouth as well, because the tongue always looks swollen and a bit white. Mm. So you can see those things. So if I look into someone's mouth, I usually get a very good idea about what kind of diet they're on. Right. Just by looking at the colors and the shades and the moistness and everything. Mm. But coming like there's another connection between the candida specifically in the gut. So if you have mercury fillings, for example, the mercury directly feeds the candida. So you can do as many bowel cleanses as you want. And candida diets, if you don't get rid of the mercury, it will never really completely settle because wow. you're still feeding it. And am I right in thinking that we have traditionally filled people's teeth with mercury? Yes. It's cheap, cheerful, easy. Yeah. Are we still doing that? Is that common practice? It's still common practice, yes. So in a couple of countries, they've lured out mercury, not because apparently it's unsafe to put in the mouth, but because 
it's unsafe for the environment. So if you place a remover mercury filling, part of the filling goes into the water system through the suction, and that destroys the waterways because mercury is a neurotoxin and it's obviously not very good to have it anywhere. Mm. So it's not good for the environment. Also, you won't get cremated if you still have mercury in your mouth. They usually remove the teeth or the fillings before they cremate you because otherwise the heavy metal burden for the air is too big, which is also mm. why, why cemeteries really struggle because there's so much heavy metal in the soil. Right. Str- struggle so how? They know all of that. Yeah. So they know all of that, but apparently the mouth is still a good place to store mercury. That's astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, so you can argue about that as you like. The the General Dental Council and British Dental Association, the official line is that the mercury fillings are safe, even though they do leak mercury all the time. But what they say is that the levels are so low that it doesn't affect anyone's health. Hmm. So apparently they are safe. They haven't really done research on it. But the official line is, yes, mercury fillings leak mercury all the time. They can't argue against that anymore. But they say it's still safe. Hmm. So my approach to that is always, I'm drunk after a quarter glass of wine. Other people can have two bottles and they still function fine. Who am I to decide what's safe and what isn't safe for each specific body? Hmm. So I just don't need that. Right. So what do you do as an alternative? We have composite filling materials that BPA, so bisphenol alpha-free and methacrylate-free. And I use a lot of porcelain. Right. Okay. So no metal, if I can, you know, if I can restore teeth without metal, I always prefer that. My personal choice. Yeah. Okay. Let's come back to the the connection between the gut and the mouth. And what else are you able to tell from looking in someone's mouth about their gut health? You get a general state of the immune system by looking into someone's mouth. So this is not scientifically proven. This is just sort of me looking and asking questions. So you've got four different kinds of tissue in the mouth and some people's tissues are very thin and others are really thick so if you have a thin skinned person you already know that their gut's going to be sensitive Hmm. (laughs) whereas if you have a thick skinned person you know they might have lots of mercury in their mouth and their system is not really too bothered right so it's sort of it's all sorts of little things sometimes the gums look really angry they're really inflamed really red And then you know there's a lot of inflammation, not just in the mouth, but in the whole system. Mm. And sometimes you look at a mouth that's full of mercury and you look at the person's face and you can see that the skin tone is really pale. And then you sort of get an idea that they most likely struggle absorbing nutrients in their gut. Right. So it's sort of, those are all like little things that you sort of put together if you look at 10 mouths every day and ask people what they eat and how they eat and how they feel. But also what's interesting is, because I've removed so many mercury fillings and I have a lot of patients who are very health conscious, like Tim, who started the, the biohacking meetup. Mm-hmm. So he's my patient. And I mean, if people like him come, they know their stuff. Yeah, <laughs> They've done the research before they come. They can tell me exactly what's wrong with them. And then also they are very clear at observing what changes when the mercury has gone. Mm. And sort of general consensus from all patients, whether they are very conscious and aware of their bodies or not, their headaches get better, their skin gets better, their digestion gets better, they can eat more foods, you know, the, the diarrhea disappears, the candida disappears. Those are all, pretty much all of the patients who go through some sort of detox and have the mercury removed have that kind of betterment in those symptoms. So their gut health always improves. Because also, if you have a mouth that's not full of heavy metals that fight specific bacteria and knocks out half the immune system, that means you have a better balance of bacteria in your mouth, hmm. which then obviously means you have a better balance of bacteria in your gut because you can't dissect the systems. It's the same system. Hmm. What are your qualifications? 
Well, I, I qualified in Germany. So I did my whole dental degree in Germany. I did a PhD in Germany. And then I moved to England. I also did hypnotherapy for dentists in Germany. But obviously, that's a very language-based thing. So I then did an NLP practitioner's course here, currently doing a course in craniosacral therapy. So that helps with jaw-related things. I have a special interest in the jaw because I worked in the practice of a in the jaw community, fairly famous dentist who started a study group called the British Society of the Study of Cranium Mandibular Disorders or short jaw ache. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go to those study meetings a lot. I love looking at faces and looking at growth patterns and then see what you can do with osteopathy or craniosex therapy mm-hmm. to help balance out those growth patterns. So that's sort of what I've officially done as qualifications, but I've done lots of inofficial study with homeopathy, naturopathy, I love herbs. I love using essential oils. So interestingly, Imperial College did some research last year in January that got published where they very clearly stated that oregano essential oil is better than any antibiotic for inflammation in the mouth. Right. Okay. I was singing and dancing at that because obviously that's, (laughs) A, it's good for the gut. So if you use it for inflammation in the mouth, it also kills the candida in your gut. Oregano is amazing. Uh, How would you take that? Because obviously you would dilute it. Uh, you have to get a really pure, therapeutic, great oregano essential oil. Massively dilute it, yeah. Then you have to dilute it quite a lot. So I have three different, I'm very fussy. So I've got three different kinds of oregano oil. I've got a Mediterranean one. I have a doTERRA one. I have a Moroccan one. They all have slightly different properties. Yeah. The doTERRA one is like a sword. It's very clear and literally cuts straight to the chase. It's really strong. So I would use one drop of that on half a cup of water. Right. And I use that to irrigate inflamed gums on my patients, for example. Mm-hmm. But it's also great for enemas, you know, if you dilute it. If you're doing a candida cleanse, I'm sure you, <laughs> you're doing the odd enema here well, and there no, as well. Well, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. But now I'm thinking oh, I should come and see to. you about all of this. So we'll take that <laughs> offline. What brand of oils are you? would you recommend? I recommend holding the bottle in your hand and closing your eyes and trying to feel whether the oil has an effect on you and if it feels pure. And if it has, that's a good start. And then I take off the lid and I smell it. And if it resonates in specific parts of my body, then I use it. So So you don't go by brand. You hold the bottle, you feel it, then you smell it and you... Yes, and I observe what it does to me. So if I have a bottle of Nivoli and it doesn't open my heart, then I won't use it. Right. But I do use, I've signed up for doTERRA. I do love their oils. I do use them a lot. But I also use Neil's Yard Remedy oils a lot. And I have a friend in the States who makes his own oils. Yeah. So I use his oils. I have like specific brands that I like for specific things. Mm. But I have about 120 bottles of oils at home. They're all organic or therapeutic grade, and they're mainly doTERRA, Nutsiart Remedy, yeah. that kind of thing. So they're all, because if you have something that's supposed to help you detox your body, you want to make sure that it doesn't contain heavy metals mm. from the beginning. Mm. I also make my own toothpaste. So I use the essential oils to make my own toothpaste as well. And yeah. Okay. So, so there's a few things you've mentioned there. I definitely want to talk to you offline about all these different oils. And I think we'd, I need to come <laughs> and see you. I want to talk about a few other things you mentioned there. What's craniosacral therapy? Okay, so it's cranial, as from cranium, the head, sacral from the sacrum, therapy. So originally, it sort of, it has its origins in osteopathy. And the man of the osteopath started focusing on the fluid rhythms in the body, and then found out that the liquid that's between the meningus, the skins around the brain that 
then also house the spinal cord and go all the way into the sacrum. If the fluids are moving properly, the brain can function properly. And if the fluids, if the movement is inhibited through kinks in the meningus because you've had a knock on the back or the hip, then the fluid doesn't flow. Mm -hmm. So that's like a very basic approach. But you literally, you talk to bones and help the body adjust, straighten itself out, reconnect to the vitality of the system. So the reason I'm so interested in that is, and this is really, really very much dentistry. So if someone had typical British braces with four teeth removed, everything moved back, usually the upper jaw part of the face is quite locked, which means that whenever you swallow, uh, the tongue moves the palate. If you follow the bones up, they go to the base of the spine and they literally get the fluid moving. So if the fluids don't move, you get a headache and the brain can't detox. Right. So you have a constant fluid flow into the brain to nourish the brain and out of the brain to detox the brain. Yep. So if that's not working, the whole system is locked and you get headaches. That's sort of, that's a, you know, there's also lots of other things happening, but that's sort of the part I'm really interested in with the dentistry, because if you have a locked system and you want to do heavy metal detox, it's going to be really tricky. Mm. Or if you had braces or you want to have braces and something is locked, it can't evolve properly. Right. Okay. And is that part of what you do? Yeah, not officially as a dentist. I'm not allowed to do that as a dentist, but I'll do that in a different room. Yeah. And it's I do it a lot after patients had treatments because, you know, when you sit on the chair, people get a bit scared and they're a bit nervous and then they get a bit tired and then their jaw feels a bit tight and it's really stressful. And if they have even 15 minutes of cranial afterwards, you can help the whole system relax. So cranial is amazing for helping someone get out of the sympathetic overdrive mode, mm -hmm. which a lot of us are in. We're all like, you know, running, functioning, yep. but no one really knows how to relax. So with like five minutes of cranial or 10 minutes, you connect to the relax and restore system of the body. Mm -hmm. So after dentistry, it's amazing to do a bit of that because you need the relax and restore for the body to heal. Yeah. So dentistry can be quite invasive. You know, obviously I try to do it as little invasively as I can. Yeah. But it is, I'm physically in someone's system, in someone's body, and I work there. So it is invasive by definition. So if I can do something afterwards that helps the body to release the trauma, reset her, so that the patient can leave in a relaxed state and like grounded and centered, you know, that'd be really amazing. But I'm, I haven't quite finished the training. I'll be done in about a month's time. Right. And then I can officially offer at the moment, my patients offer to be guinea pigs, which yeah. is great. So yeah. I can practice a lot on them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... Sorry, do you do that before to relax people before the treatment as well? I potentially would, but also I'm a hypnotherapist. So the main thing about no hypnotherapy is to choose a way of communicating to the patient that suits the patient and to realize they're scared. And the first practice I worked in in Germany focused on phobic patients so I had people who stood in the doorframe, held onto the doorframe and said, I have an abscess and I'm in a lot of pain, but you can't touch me because I'm too scared. Or hmm. someone with such a strong gag reflex that if I touched the outside of the upper front teeth, they would throw up. Right. So that's wow. why I started. So at the beginning, I needed the hypnotherapy to actually treat them. Yep. But over the years, it's helped me so much. I've seen so much that, and I've learned so much that I know that whoever walks through the door, I can deal with their phobia. And I can find ways to work with them to help them relax in the chair, make them feel comfortable so that the hypnosis wasn't actually necessary anymore in the end. Mm. So most of my patients need a couple of appointments to realize that I teach them to be in control and that they take responsibility for what's happening. I don't make decisions. I make suggestions. I've got like an intro camera so I can take photos. 
so they can see what's happening in their mouth. Hmm. And then I can say, like, we've got this option, that option, that option, and these are the pros and cons of each. What would you like me to do? Yes. So it's a process of, A, helping them to take responsibility and feeling in charge, but it's also a process of explaining their mouth to them so they know what's happening, they know what's what. And that changes the whole relationship. So it becomes a process of empowerment rather than me forcing them to have something done that I think is necessary. Mm. That's not how it works. I would not want anyone to treat me like that. So I can't treat, you know, I don't like being taught what to do. So I can't really do that to anyone else either. Yeah. And do you find that the people who come to you tend to be a little bit like Tim or myself, that they're fairly self-aware, they've done quite a lot of, I mean, a biohacker knows a lot about their body and how it works because by definition they're trying stuff they're hacking their physiology, hacking their biology with different things. Is that the type of person that tends to come to you? Or do you get people that come for traditional dentistry and then they discover that you've got this this huge portfolio of things you offer? I have those as well because I work on Carnaby Street. I have a lot of people working in the area who are just looking for a dentist who's near their work. Hmm. So they come and often they are quite holistic as well. And then You sort of, you take the field a little bit. I see what I can say, what I can get away with. And then sometimes a door opens with people you at least expected. Hmm. And, but that's sort of half of my patients. And the other half are people who specifically come for the safe mercury removal, who have a homeopath, who, you know, recommends for them to see a dentist that doesn't always use fluoride, you know, it's Hmm. like, or at least understands why they won't use fluoride. So I have a lot of patients coming through homeopaths, naturopaths, kinesiologists, osteopaths, so, and biohacking, and it's a lot of word of mouth. I don't really advertise. Hmm. So I attract a very specific bunch of patients. They're usually really cool, really creative, very knowledgeable, very interested, but also like energy aware. So they are physically aware and also energy aware. Yeah. So that's the kind of people I really enjoy working with. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, I just want to go back to one other thing you mentioned when you talked about your background, which is NLP. How does that yes. fit in? How does that fit in? So most people think... What is it? Sorry, if you okay. want to anyone who's So linguistic programming is very well known for sales training. So people always say, oh, if you've done NLP, does it mean you sell more? No, that's not what it is about. So one thing about NLP is to give a very basic example. I'm a kinesthetic person. So if you tell me, does this look good for you? I'm like, I'm not bothered how it looks. It needs to feel good. So if you bother a patient who's kinesthetic with language that's visual or auditive, communication becomes a lot more difficult. So dentistry is challenging anyway because things happen in your mouth. A lot of people are scared that what I say, like they, they might not understand the whole impact of what it means to have what I say. So it's really important to choose the right language. Mm. So I tailor the language to what the patient brings. So Mm. that's one of the things NLP has helped me with. But then also sort of one of the things I learned with NLP is something called timeline. So a lot of people go back to childhood experience when they enter the dental surgery and they literally regress to age five or six when they first went to dentist. Like if you come to dental practice, you sniff, you smell the mixture of clove oil and disinfectant, and you are instantaneously disempowered hmm. because you've just gone back 30, 40 years to when you were five and the dentist didn't treat you well. So in NLP, you learn to deal with the inner child and getting it back into now. So I don't really do NLP officially on the patient with the patient. But all the psychological things I've learned in the course really help patients 
to work through their stuff. So I have a, I had a friend who had like a little composite filling on her lower front tooth and she'd never told, like, I just thought she knocked a bit of the tooth up. She never taught me what happened. And that fell off one day and she came in after work and I just fixed the tooth and she had a meltdown because it didn't look like it did before. And I didn't understand what was happening. And as it turned out, she had somehow not mentioned to me that she got assaulted and that's how the tooth fractured. So if you have someone who has a trauma and then you work on their teeth, the trauma comes up. Mm. And then you need to have some sort of skills with the hypnosis and the NLP to hold a safe space so the patient can release the trauma, at least talk through it, feel safe so that you can, you can fix the tooth or heal the tooth with the trauma. Like people come with baggage. A lot of people have been really badly treated by dentists. Yeah. And you need to be aware of that when you treat the teeth. Like if a friend of mine came and she had teeth treated whilst going through a divorce, those teeth were horrendous to treat, even though that's 10 years later, they needed three times the amount of local anesthetic. Because last time the teeth were treated, she was really sensitive. Mm. So having those communication skills and psychological skills helps me. I can just hold the space and let those things unravel and they don't freak me out Yeah, because I've learned how to deal with them. And I've got, you know, I can, as I said, I don't do therapy when the patient sits in this chair, but I can at least help them through the experience and out the other end in the most graceful and loving way I can think of. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And what really stands out from what you're saying is how patient-centric your approach is. You have all these real study for all these different qualifications and assets really that enable you to make that person feel comfortable as relaxed as they possibly can and understand what's going on so you're not just coming in like oh, that tooth's fixed off you go I won't see you for a year but actually explaining what's going on how they could prevent it happening again how the whole body links I think that's that's quite an extraordinary approach but that's me you know you can't fix one of my teeth and expect that my body will just take it my mm-hmm. body is really sensitive, so I can't use normal toothpaste. It makes my whole mouth itch or it gives me headaches. So, and I can't have normal local anesthetic or normal amounts of local anesthetic. It makes me feel spaced out and hungover. Mm-hmm. So my body is really sensitive. So I had to learn all these things on myself. So, you know, most of the patients who come in are as sensitive or less sensitive as me. So, but that's why I offer the approach because I wouldn't want anyone to treat me in a non-aware, non-conscious, box-standard way. That Mm. doesn't work for me, so I just can't offer it to anyone else either. Yeah. Okay, so what's the approach if somebody is listening and they want to come and see you? How do they go about doing that? And what's the process that you follow for somebody walking in for the first time? Okay, so if a patient comes in for the first time specifically about the mercury removal or with a biohacking background, we usually book them in for an hour for a new patient checkup. So they just contact the clinic where I work, which is Carnaby Street Dental. And there's only one Catherine on Carnaby Street Dental, so it's very easy to find me. We will link to that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. So they book an appointment. They say they've heard about me on your podcast, so we know that they come through you, so we can say thank you to you. And we book them in for an hour. And usually the first 15 minutes or so are conversation because I ask why they come. I ask them how they feel about their mouth and what they want. And I also ask them what they do for a living because I find, you know, I want to connect to the person. So, Mm. you know, if someone has a really interesting job, I'm curious, you know, I want to know what they do. So I like to get a feel for the person because if I don't, if I can't connect to the person, what's the benefit of me looking at their teeth? So, you know, it's first about establishing some sort of rapport between the patient and me so that we both feel comfortable with me looking in the mouth. 
I wrote my PhD on mouth cancer, but like traditional therapy and everything that was at university in Germany. But sort of, I do a very, very thorough cancer screen. I check all the glands under the jaw alongside the neck. I feel the thyroid. And then I said, I have a special interest in the jaw. So I stick my little fingers into everyone's ears. And because then you can feel how the jaw joint works. I can feel the muscles like in the face. And then I check the soft tissues in the mouth. I check the bite and the gums and everything. And once all of that is done, I have a look at the extra teeth. And then we obviously chart everything. And then I take photos of all the teeth. Hmm. And then ideally, if the patients have x-rays, previous x-rays, I ask them to bring them with them. So we don't need to re-x-ray them just so I can see everything. Otherwise, I do take x-rays and we have phosphor plates. So it's the same little exposure as digital x-ray. It's just a slightly nicer to have in the mouth and it takes three seconds for the images to appear on the computer mm. and then the last sort of 15 minutes of the checkup is me showing the patient all the photos I've taken and the x-ray and explain the x-rays and the photos and we set up a treatment plan in the first session and then they sort of I usually ask them to think about it because I don't want to make a decision I meet people, I have a treatment, and then I see how I feel the next day. And if I still feel really good about it, then I book another appointment. Mm. So I always encourage my patients to do that. So then when they do come back, I know they're really clear and okay with everything. Yeah. And also, if they specifically come for mercury removal, we have a little machine where we can measure how much they leak. And I can talk them through the safe mercury removal protocol as well. Right. So you can actually see how much mercury is leaking into your mouth. Yeah, you can measure it. Yeah. the body. Yeah, yes. I haven't got any fillings. Just for you. Yeah, I know it's extraordinary. I mean, I've had a, a history of 20 years of extremely heavy drinking. But when I gave up alcohol six and a bit years ago, I was still devouring big slabs of Cadbury's whole nut, perhaps hence the candida. I'm not surprised in some respect that I have that. But I was yeah. asymptomatic. It was just a gut test with Dr. Christine Roche before my podcast with her that highlighted it. I wouldn't have known. The only symptom I have that could be candida is a cough, which I've still got. Ah, interesting. So yeah, and what I was saying about the candida earlier is it was a big wound on my arm and I could see it healing. I'd think, okay, great. But because you can't, there's no obvious way of me saying whether or not it's going or not. It is quite a challenge to stick to. I am, but I'm probably having a pudding and a sweet thing twice a week at most. Okay. I don't know if that's enough. I'll retest and find out. Well, when we meet, A, I can have a look at your tongue and show you on your tongue and in your mouth how candida looks. And also I make gluten-free, sugar-free, raw vegan chocolates. Oh, God. Which I can give to my patients so they can... I'll be with you in an hour. (laughs) 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 I'm just getting Uber out on my phone now. Okay, well, that would be fantastic. But that's another thing. Like, I occasionally like to eat something sweet. So I can't say to my patients, you're not allowed to eat sweet things. That's Mm. ridiculous. Everyone wants to eat something sweet every now and again. So I make my own gluten-free, sugar-free, raw vegan brownies and chocolates and then, or banoffee pie, and then I can offer them to the patients. And then they know that they can have something that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds amazing. So um, we'll talk offline. People can get hold of your website, which is holisticdentistlondon.co.uk. Yep. Carnaby Street Dental is where you practice from, which is Carnaby Street, obviously, North London. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. And it just remains really to say thank you. I've really enjoyed that discussion, Catherine. Thanks. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm looking forward to checking your teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Thank you. (laughs) Pleasure. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? 
jump on our website, bodyshopperformance.com and click on take the test. And it'll take you through to a very short two to three minute health IQ test. At the end of that, you'll get a scorecard based on your results and a free 39 page report built all around our six signals, which are sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. So jump on the website, bodyshopperformance.com and take our test. Finally, thanks for listening to this show. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard and it's added value to you, share the episode with someone you think could benefit from it. And don't forget to leave a rating, a review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.